Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to our 32 Insider Radio. This is your host, Angela O'Mara. You know, there are many cosmetic fillers available on the market for patients to choose from in terms of um, best uses for fine lines and wrinkles, crow's feet, loss of volume, furrows, and tension lines and jewels, all of the signs of aging. And so today's guest, Dr. Kristen J. Kent, who is a board-certified facial plastic surgeon and facial rejuvenate expert, is going to discuss with our Cetic Insider Radio the best uses and application of all of these fillers. Dr. Kent, welcome to our Cetic Insider Radio. It's great to have you back on the show. Thank you, Angela. It's uh, always wonderful to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to be back and to share uh, some of my insights on how to uh, keep you looking as young as you feel. Oh, absolutely. Well, I know that you know you you, you kind of go between um, Tampa, Sarasota, and Naples, Florida. But for our listeners, you know, I'm sure they'd love to learn a little bit more about you and uh, your practice and kind of where your area of specialization currently is. Absolutely. Um, you know, for the past 27 years, uh, my area of uh, specialization has been to uh, keep the area between our um, collarbones and, and, and the, the top of our head looking as, as young and beautiful uh, as, as possible, um, and oftentimes keeping it kind of in line. Uh, a lot of my patients uh, exercise and, and they eat well and, and they are pretty happy with their bodies, but uh, their face, uh, for uh, one reason or another, has not uh, necessarily stayed the same. They uh, may have lost volume in their face. Uh, they may just be getting some laxity. Uh, in Florida in particular, a lot of sunshine and a lot of sun damage to the face. So my, my area has been to rejuvenate the face and neck um, for the last uh, 27 years. However, um, when I started in practice, um, um, there was really very little could be done for volume loss, uh, very little that could be done non-surgically. Uh, fortunately, there's been an explosion over the past uh, 10 to 15 years in non-surgical options. And, and so over time, um, I have transitioned from doing primarily surgical uh, rejuvenation to doing non-surgical rejuvenation and um, really just uh, enjoying um, learning new things every day, uh, uh, putting to work uh, all of these new technologies and new products uh, to give our, the patients the best possible results. Well, you know, we talk, you know, today, you know, we are going to talk about injectables and, you know, and as you mentioned that you... <clears throat> I've had, you know, many surgical options available, and you've been, you know, in practice for over 20 years. Um, so let's just talk about injectables, and, and how long do the effects of an injectable actually last? Well, that varies in, in the product that one chooses. Um, products, probably the one that's the most familiar because it's been around the longest uh, uh, and still being used quite frequently would be Botox. And uh, Botox, unlike the rest of the uh, injectables uh, is not a filler, but it's a, a neuromodulator. It weakens overactive muscles of expression. And it typically lasts about three to four months. Um, on the other hand, we have some newer products um, that are in the hyaluronic acid gel uh, filler sorts of uh, um, volumizers, uh, which can last uh, two years and more. Um, and we even have some collagen stimulating injectables that uh, can stimulate your body to make new collagen, and in doing so, that new collagen will stay with you uh, for the rest of your life. Wow, that's amazing. Now, do you have any any um, preference of, of particular fillers or injectables that you use? Um, because there are many on you know available on the market. 
Um, or do you kind of have where, you know, it really depends upon the needs of the patient as to what your choice of filler or, or you know, neuromodulator would be? You know, um, I, I, I would say that, that there are some preferences I have uh, for many reasons, uh, you know, some being that uh, the longer you work with something, the, the more experience you have with it, uh, potentially uh, the better you become with it. Uh, practice makes perfect, I used to say, um, and I think that's probably still true. Um, but it does ultimately come down to what the patient really needs. Um, every patient is different genetically and, and environmentally and, and um, in many ways their health. And so uh, some patients, uh, you know, might uh, have not been blessed with uh, good cheekbones or good jawbones, uh, and therefore uh, that's not so important when you're young because your tissues are elastic and, and, and look um, quite good even without great bone structure, but as time goes along, those without great bone structure will uh, more quickly get uh, flattened cheeks and uh, jowls and double chins, and in those patients, uh, certain fillers, uh, some of the newer hyaluronic acid gel fillers um, and calcium hydroxyapatite fillers uh, used deeply to uh, sort of mimic uh, improved cheekbone structure, improved jawline structure, um, are my favorite products. On the other hand, others are, are just um, through volume loss will get uh, deep folds between the nose and the mouth or, or folds at the corners of the mouth that head towards the jawline. And um, I use a different um, hyaluronic acid gel filler for that. Um, the most common ones are things like Juvederm and, and uh, Restylane. Um, and I, I like those very much for that. Um, lines around the mouth. Um, there's some newer uh, products for that as well, and, and uh, I think the newest one on the market is Vobella, um, made by uh, an aller the company Allergan. Uh, there's also Silk, uh, made by uh, uh, another company uh, out there that uh, also makes Restylane and, and several other good products. Um, and then finally, you know, some people just really, really prematurely look gaunt, and, and in that case, with hollow cheeks and hollow temple areas, the calcium-stimulating um, products uh, tend to be my favorite to give just overall fullness back to the face. And uh, I think the one that's probably the longest in, in use is, is, uh, goes by the name Sculptra. So, uh, you know, some patients benefit from um, uh, one product more because that's where their greatest area of need is, and then others uh, uh, may have an entirely different need and, and therefore uh, a different product is chosen. So it's really a case-by-case -case basis what the best product is. Yeah, and that makes absolute sense. But you know it is great because when you talk about, um, you know, you may want to explain to our listeners kind of the difference between what would be a filler and a neuromodulator because I know there's a little bit of confusion out there on the two. Could you explain the difference between those? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, neuromodulators, um, um, the most common of which is, is, is the Botox. There are other products now, Dysport and, and Zeoman and, and quite a few products. But a neuromodulator is, is a product that uh, uses a highly purified protein um, that comes, um, um, comes along and, and allows us to weaken muscles of overexpression. And, and so the most common place might be those frown lines that we get or those what we call scowl lines um, that we get between our eyebrows. And, Patients oftentimes prematurely uh, uh, look angry. Uh, they look uh, unhappy even when they're fine. And uh, for that, you can put a few drops of this product in, in those muscles and weaken those muscles, and then uh, no longer does the patient look angry or tired. 
um, those little uh, lines that sometimes are referred to as the 11 lines between our eyebrows uh, just tend to either go away completely or at least to dramatically improve. Um, on the other hand, um, particularly with a lot of sun in, in the southern states, uh, people tend to squint a lot, and, and so those uh, what we call smile lines or squint lines out, uh, outside of the eyes um, are, are something that sometimes just really gets uh, deep and ingrained, and, and those need to be softened. Uh, unlike those lines between our brows, uh, where we want to completely remove the ability to scowl, um, as, a, as an aside, I've never had a patient come back and say, I, I want to be able to scowl a little bit or frown a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. They always want to look happy. But on the other hand, uh, yeah. the, when we use it on the areas like the, the smile or squint lines, we're trying to soften those lines. We're not trying to remove them because it's natural to have some lines uh, at the corners of the eyes when you smile. It looks natural. We just don't want that overactive bunching that occurs in some patients. Um, the last part of this neuromodulator is, is um, there are selective uses for people that have, happen to have overactive what we call bunny lines or overactive lip lines. And at times we can even soften some of the bands in the neck using uh, the neuromodulators. The other side of injectables are, are primarily towards filling the face, re re replacing volume, replenishing vo volume in the face. And for that, that's where uh, the products like the hyaluronic acid gel fillers and the products like Sculptra and Radius and, and all uh, come into to play because um, two of the uh, probably most important parts of aging uh, are sagging and sinking in or loss of volume. And we know that surgical procedures tend to address sagging, but volume loss is equally as important, and that's where the majority of our fillers now do such a great job is, is to fill out the loss of volume, the hollowness uh, that occurs in the face with aging. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's interesting because you were talking as well about some of these, um, the, the newest fillers, I guess, which you say are more for the um, structure of the face, not just the volume, but the structure and the bone structure, and so the cheekbones and the jawline or the chin, um, you know, because in the past, you know, I know facial implants, which are more permanent, um, are available and are still available. Um, what do you feel are the benefits of dermal fillers instead of a permanent implant? Well, I, I do think that there is definitely a, a place for permanent implants, uh, particularly in uh, cases where someone has a, a dramatically a small chin um, that needs a tremendous amount of improvement and, and likewise in the cheek area. However, um, historically implants have had both uh, very strong positives but also negatives and, and obviously one of those being just the idea that one has to undergo a surgical procedure and it's inherent risk and uh, having to have uh, anesthesia and the risk of that as well. But probably the, the most important and the, and the neatest thing about uh, the new products is that um, in the past when we used implants, you had to choose a size. Um, you might not for sure know whether you wanted a small implant or a medium implant or a large implant, and you really had to make that decision. And after the surgery, if, if you said, you know, I wish I had gone with one a little smaller or a little larger, the only option was to have another surgery and have it replaced. The beauty with these new injectables is that uh, kind of like an artist or a sculptor, sculptor, one can put in, let's just use as an example, a small amount of product into the cheeks or into the jawline and into the chin and give you what would be the same as a small chin implant. 
that may be perfect for the patient and the physician, but uh, it might be uh, that they come back and say, well, wow, I love this, but I wish I had chosen a little more. And with injectables, that's just so easy and so simple because uh, with a little second office visit, one can add a little more and turn it into what would be more like a medium implant uh, and therefore maybe just the right amount. Um, and then lastly, implants uh, tend to be uh, only come in a few sizes and shapes um, and not everyone needs uh, as much in one part of the chin as the other or, or in one part of the cheek as the other. And using these products, one can in fact put you know as much as it want in whatever place needs it and as little as you want in the next place and so you can truly uh, turn it up or turn it down and, and individualize it and make it just right for that particular patient okay okay yeah that makes absolute sense um, now how long would an injectable procedure kind of start to finish how long does it take well, that really depends, again, on, on how uh, much or how little. Uh, most of these products come um, in a pre-filled syringe or in uh, a bottle that's reconstituted and, and then drawn up into a syringe and then placed into the face. And therefore, um, you know, we have patients who will have one or two syringes of product at a setting, and, and that certainly would take, uh, you know, in, in the 15-minute range for the actual procedure. Now, we do a lot of things to uh, decrease the chances of bruising and to decrease the discomfort. And so um, the office procedure itself, between the time one starts uh, getting ready for the procedure until the time when they're finished and ready to go home, might take 30 or 45 minutes. Uh, but the actual injection takes about 15. We do have, though, patients who are having much larger sessions of injectables and having multiple syringes of multiple products. Uh, each one individualized uh, as the best product for that particular area of the face. And, and some patients want to get uh, as much done at one setting. And so the actual um, uh, injection procedure may take 30, 45 minutes, and the, um, the whole uh, procedure itself and, and the, the office visit may take uh, an hour or maybe a little more. Now, with the, with the injectables, both um, fillers and neural, neural modulators, um, are the effects immediate? Or do they take a couple of days to really kind of settle in? Well, one of the reasons that the hyaluronic acid gel fillers, the calcium hydroxyapatite fillers, are, are, are um, the most popular is because um, immediate gratification occurs. And, and, and by that, uh, I mean as soon as we put the filler in place, the results uh, can be seen. And in fact, right about the time you put the filler in place and, and for the first uh, you know, 30 minutes or so afterwards, you get a, a very good uh, preview of how you're going to look. Um, now, sometimes there is a little swelling involved with these products, and so uh, the next day you may be a little too full, uh, and it may take uh, 48 hours or so to, for that. tend to take a, a bit of time. They tend to take about five to seven days for the um, results to occur. So you put the product in, and the next day, you know, you don't look any different, but uh, in, in about a week, um, you'll notice the very significant improvement in the, in the overactive lines of expression. The longer-acting um, sort of collagen stimulators, and, and, and uh, we talked, I think, on the previous radio show a little bit about uh, using your own blood products, uh, um, healing and growth factors, Factors that stimulate your body to do something tend to take quite a bit longer to see the ultimate results. And so uh, the collagen stimulators uh, tend to take uh, at least six weeks 
um, for you to see some results, and, and oftentimes it takes as much as uh, three months to see the maximum improvement for any given session that, that one undergoes. And, and then is there, that when you mentioned the collagen-stimulating products, um, is there a specific product um, that is that the Sculpture product, or are there other products as well? Um, I, I think Sculpture is by far the most uh, uh, widely recognized and widely used collagen stimulating product uh, right now, um, uh, aside from, again, using your own uh, growth and, and healing factors. Um, and uh, it's it's really fascinating little story behind Sculpture because uh, the product that Sculpture is made out of, the chemical uh, product, uh, was uh, used first uh probably 20 years ago, 25 years ago, as a dissolving suture. So it was one of those buried sutures that would, were put under the skin to hold a, a wound together uh, during the healing process and make a fine line. But what someone found uh, several times is that when one would go back and look, if they removed that skin for another purpose, that there were balls of white collagen. And so everywhere that this suture had dissolved, there had been a tremendous stimulation of collagen and a, a big chunk of, of uh, white collagen. Uh, so somebody uh, that was very smart, uh, smarter than me, uh, figured out that if you took this product and you put it in tiny particles um, and you uh, put it in a solution and you spread it far and wide that you could stimulate thousands or tens of thousands of little tiny microscopic balls of white collagen which put together give you a generalized increased fullness and, and a return of some of the lost fullness that we uh, all had when we were younger. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's interesting, you know, because uh, I think Botox is another product that kind of had another use, and then it was noticed that it, it created the effect, you know, of helping with fine lines and wrinkles and crow's feet, and so therefore it becomes much more mainstream in its use in the cosmetic arena. Um, let me ask you a question now, you know, because as, as we mentioned earlier, you know, you've been, you've been around a while and you've been in practice and you've, you know, kind of been at the forefront in terms of, you know, many, many different types of procedures. What changes have you seen over the years, both in terms of patient uh, perception of, of availability of, you know, these anti-aging, you know, age reversal treatments and, and the attitude of people and acceptance, I guess. Have you seen any changes in the last 20 plus years? Well, that's a great question, and, and it brings to mind a, a conversation I had earlier um, in the week. I was uh, treating one of my wonderful patients down in Naples, and, and uh, she was con in, in an office where there, are other, there were other uh, people. Uh, it's in a spa uh, as well environment. And, and, you know, we've always been extremely careful from a, a HIPAA point of view, a health privacy point of view, and also uh, just because patients tend to be rather private to, to, keep, uh, to protect patients' privacy. So we were um, treat, about to treat her, and she said, uh, please open the door. I'm kind of claustrophobic. And, and I, I said, but we're about to treat you. And she said, I don't care if people watch. She said, um, you know, the, the having the door open and people seeing is fine with me. I just, uh, I'm a little claustrophobic. And, and, and we uh, had a, a little discussion about the, the fact that 25 years ago when I went into practice, uh, the greatest concern among a lot of my patients was where can I park my car where no one will know that I'm at your office because uh, <laughs> everything was secret about plastic surgery. And today, uh, you know, it's not true of everyone, but uh, I think the majority of the people back then would deny they had had anything done and, and wanted to hide the fact that they had something done. And I think today, uh, the majority of my patients are more than happy to share with their friends and, and with others 
that they're having something done and, and certainly do not mind if they park right out in front of my office on the main street uh, and, and if people know they're there, that's fine with them. Mm, that's interesting, yeah. And I think that have you seen a change in uh, kind of the age group of patients, um, you know, that are now coming in asking for these procedures or do you see a typical age group at your practice? Well, I will say that, that uh, you know, sometimes uh, I think patients and doctors grow up together. And, and so, you know, I will say that, uh, you know, because I've done so much uh, aging face surgery uh, in the past that I still have an awful lot of patients who, um, you know, might have come to see me when they were younger and, and now aren't as young as they used to be. Um, however, uh, I will say that, that because of this explosion in the uh, non-surgical realm, um, there's a lot of patients in their late 30s and in their 40s who would not have probably considered coming to see me uh, back uh, 20 years ago because uh, where primarily what we had to offer was surgery, they weren't ready to have surgery. Uh, on the other hand, today with all these uh, neuromodulators and these, these uh, products that we can put uh, just a little bit of product in and make a big difference in the younger population, um, we see uh, an increasing number of people in the sort of early middle age, uh, you know, late youthful age uh, that are coming in just for little uh, refinements and, and uh, at times, you know, doing skin care that is even preventative uh, so that they can put off surgery as long as possible and, and in their minds, hopefully, maybe never even uh, become uh, uh, one who wants, who chooses to have surgery. Yeah, and then let me ask you, with, in terms of, do you really think that the like Botox and, and these, these new fillers that you're talking about um, can kind of delay surgery or put off the need for surgery for some patients? Well, there's no doubt that it can delay the process. Um, there, there's no doubt that, that if one has some, um, you know, their primary problem is volume loss, um, I have some colleagues uh, that I speak uh, with or at national meetings and, and regional meetings uh, talking about uh, uh, non-surgical uh, options uh, who pretty much have uh, clientels between the age of maybe 35 and 60, uh, uh, particularly ladies who uh, exercise a lot, who eat low fat, who are very, very healthy, but they have uh, volume loss in their face in particular. And, and for those patients, um, you know, we can put volume back and replenish what they had 10 years before, and, and they're no longer even interested in having a, a surgical procedure for a while. Um, having said that, I think that if one has a, a broad spectrum of, of patients that they treat in the age realm, that eventually, um, I, I, I tell my patients in sort of a, a funny way that, that, you know, I aspire to become a candidate for everything that I do and have done in the past, because I think if we live long enough and we stay healthy, that we all become candidates for most everything that, that uh, facial plastic surgeons do, uh, then it becomes more of a choice. Uh, you know, do I want to choose to have my neck tightened when the time comes or, uh, you know, my sagging improved when the time comes, or am I comfortable with it when I get there? And, and some patients might not be comfortable with a little of that at 50 or 60, but might be okay with that at 70 or 80. On the other hand, I have... Uh, uh, Probably about five years ago, one of my favorite stories and favorite patients uh, uh, when I was still uh, doing surgery, um, she was 82, and she had had uh, a little lift in her late 60s, and she's a real estate agent in Naples, and she came to see me, and, and she said, I want to have a little tuck-up facelift, and I said, uh, you know, you're 82, are you sure you want to do that? And, and she took offense almost to that and, and said, uh, 
uh, well, you don't think I'm, I'm uh, healthy enough? And I said, well, we would need to get medical clearance. And she said, well, last week I was with my great-grandchildren uh, one set, and she said I taught them how to roller skate backwards. She said, I was back for two weeks, and I sold two big houses on the beach, and said, next week I'm going to my other set of grand, uh, great-grandchildren to teach them how to uh, water ski. Wow. And she said, I think wow. I'm in That's plenty good health to have another lift. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, you know, her doctor amazing. gave her clips, and I gave her a little like lift. That. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think, as I say, age is all in the mind, right? And I think, you know, you are as young as you, as young as you want to feel. That's what a great story. You know, um, and now that goes to the the opposite is um, nail plant, nail cosmetic surgery or nail fillers and injectables. Like, have you seen an increase in in the nail market? Because I do, you know, kind of read in the news that you know that is definitely a, do- a growing demographic of patients. Absolutely, it is a growing demographic, and and I've seen a gradual but definite increase in the male demographic over the last twenty years. Um, you know, I think that that. Um, Appearance has always been important uh, in America uh, and, and to, to everyone, but I think that, you know, as uh, maybe our population has shifted a little bit in, in what males do um, from maybe uh, uh, most of the manual work and, and uh, being done by males and, and males working out in the, on the farm and, and in the construction industry and some of those areas where they don't necessarily um, care as much about those sorts of things, but we've seen an increase in white-collar work and we've uh, obviously continue to see an emphasis on the uh, youthful appearance. Um, and so we see uh, with job uh, availability being tight uh, that, that uh, competition is fierce for jobs. And, and when someone uh, gets into their uh, 50s and sometimes even their 60s as a male, uh, they begin to, to be concerned about uh, the ability to keep their job with a younger, more vibrant-looking person uh, who can do their job. Um, and then just the idea that, you know, as, as ladies have increased, uh, you know, the, the, how much they uh, do to, to make themselves look beautiful, uh, a lot of them help their husbands to figure out what uh, they could do to make themselves look more handsome. And, and uh, you know, it's not uncommon for me to, to treat a patient, uh, a lady, and then for her to bring her husband in uh, and say, you know, he, he would like to have something done too, and uh, together uh, we'll help him figure out uh, if he really wants to do something, and if so, what would make the best changes. And, you know, that usually comes back primarily to what bothers him the most. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, you know, we have a couple of minutes left here on the show, and you did mention earlier, um, in addition to, you know, the fillers and the, and the neural modulators and, and kind of topical skin treatments, but you did mention the PFP and the platelet-rich plasma. And how are you using that in conjunction with fillers and um, neural modulators? Well, I think that the most important thing, as I mentioned earlier, is that if there's something that's pretty common, I think it was a common song that we have heard for for most of my life, you know, I want it all and I want it now. Um, immediate gratification <laughs> is, is, uh, is a, an American way of life for most people. And, and uh, you know, the, the uh, PRP and, and the collagen stimulators uh, are um, delayed gratification. They're, they're really wonderful, but they're delayed. And so uh, quite often when patients choose to get some of the more permanent uh, uh, products that, that give delayed gratification, uh, like the uh, PRP and like the, um, the collagen stimulators, they'll also choose to get some immediate gratification by using the, the fillers uh, and the neuromodulators. And so as I mentioned before, some patients, instead of just having one product at a time or, or, or a couple of products, uh, they'll choose to have a, a sort of a, a session that in, 
is, is not uh, dissimilar from when we do surgery and do multiple procedures at once. They'll have multiple injectables placed at the same time, some of which give them immediate gratification, some of them give them delayed gratification. And interestingly enough, as, as some of these fillers that uh, you put in and give immediate gratification fade over 6 to 12 to 24 months, uh, those um, modulators and, and such will uh, increase over that same period of time. And so the patient really doesn't change much uh, over a 6 to 12 to 24 month period, but uh, one product is causing the improvement immediately and for the first uh, half of the, of the uh, time frame. And the other product kind of kicks in and, and gives improvement. Uh, and over time, we'll continue to do some of the uh, immediate filler uh, gratification and modulators, but we do less and less of that as we get more and more of the new collagen that comes from the, uh, the other products, the, the stimulator products. Now, out of all of the, the areas of the face that you treat with, you know, with the fillers or the, and any of the injectables, you know, whether it's lip plumping, under eye shadowing, you know, the nasal labial, facial fullness, what would you say is kind of the number one treatment that people come in for? I'd say that it's, uh, still it's been true for as long as the fillers have been out. The, the most common um, filler treatment would be the folds between the, the nose and the mouth and between the mouth and the chin, uh, sort of um, uh, we call them nasolabial folds between the, the lips and the nose and, and the um, marionette lines, those lines that, that kind of begin to develop between the, the corners of the mouth and, and down towards the, the chin line. Um, and probably second with the fillers would be lip lines, um, you know, replenishing the lip line so that one can put lip liner and lipstick on without it running into those lines that go vertical. Um, with the neuromodulators, uh, the, the lines between the eyebrows are still uh, the most common. Um, but not too far behind, again, would be the smile lines. And, and those uh, uh, squint lines, those smile lines, uh, and the ones between the brows, the frown lines, um, tend to be uh, the, by far the most common ones that people come in to have. Yeah, well, well, Dr. Kenny, it's been fantastic having you back on the show today. So for our listeners, um, if they wanted to you know, reach you or find out more about you, where would be the best place for them to uh, find you? Well, um, they, I am uh, available uh, at the uh, Holcomb uh, Crethen uh, Tampa office. Uh, it's both we have one in South Tampa um, as well as one up in the Carrollwood area, um, and one can just call uh, the number eight one three six zero nine four thousand, and uh, there right. would be someone answering that can set them up a time for us to uh, talk about what uh, the patient might be interested in doing to uh, uh, look or as young as they feel. Dr. Kent, thank you so much for being on Aesthetic Insider Radio, and I look forward to having you back on as a guest sometime in the near future. Thank you, Angela. It's all, as always, it's been a real pleasure, and, and have a, a great weekend. Absolutely. Okay, well, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.